This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. I want you to take a moment and maybe think back on a monumental decision that you had to make. Not what cereal would you eat this morning or which pair of shoes you wore to worship. I'm talking monumental, a life-changing, a family-impacting decision. Maybe it was about the job where you were going to live. It affected your future. And this decision that was your decision maybe impacted others as well. Well, they provided input, but yet it was your decision. Think back to those feelings. Maybe they're feelings of inadequacy, or maybe it was tension, uh, fear, loneliness, uh, causing uh, sleepless nights, upset stomachs, pounding head. You had one shot to get it right. And the pressure is so great, you wonder if you can make the decision, and if you do, can you live with the decision? Can you carry on? In our text for this evening, we find it's all coming together. It's culminating this mission, this ministry of Jesus. It's what he came here for. It's what his three years of ministry was all about. And he began to teach the disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem, that he would be rejected by the chief priests and the elders and the scribes and the teachers of the law, that he would suffer many things, that he would be killed and be raised again. And now it's happening. This is the tension that fills Jesus on that Monday, Thursday. Jesus had told his disciples that he longed to share this Passover with them. Not just the Passover, but this Passover. Why was this Passover so special to Jesus? And it's not because it's going to be his last one. It's because it's the fulfillment of of the promise of the first Passover. Every year the Hebrews would celebrate this special day with a special meal, their Passover meal. And it was a reminder to them how their God is a loving God, a rescuing God, a God that never leaves nor forsakes them because they were in bondage for hundreds of years and their cries reached the ears of God, and he sent to them a leader, Moses. And they shared a meal in their homes after sacrificing a lamb and painting the doorpost with its blood. A symbol. A symbol of a family of faith so that the angel of death would pass over. 
And every year the Hebrews would celebrate that God kept his promise, that, that he redeemed his people. He rescued them through a, a water crossing in the Red Sea and brought them into the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. And now Jesus is at this Passover meal, this one that he just longed to celebrate with his disciples. Why? Because this is the transition. And Jesus transitions the Passover into what we today call the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, Eucharist, sacrament of the altar. This bread is my body. With this wine you receive my blood for the forgiveness of sins, for the promise of everlasting life. As they finish the meal, Judas slips away to catch up with those he has been cavorting with. They sing a hymn together and they go off toward the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, a place that Jesus went to on a regular basis, Luke tells us. It's a place for Jesus to be a place of prayer and a place of contemplation. And, and he knows what is waiting for him. He knows the suffering and the agony that he faces in a matter of hours. I wonder, I wonder as he entered into that garden if he did some remembering. Maybe he remembered back to that very first miracle when he and his mother and his friends were invited to that wedding in Cana. It was a beautiful celebration. It was a, a day of joy until, until the wine ran out. Jesus says, Mary, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. But here, on this day, in that garden, the hour had finally come. This was the hour for which the Lamb of God came into the world. He's well aware of what faces him. So as he enters his garden, uh, most of the disciples are asked to wait. He takes Peter and James and John with him a little farther, and he says to them, you wait here and you pray too. Pray that you would not be drawn into temptation. And Jesus went a stone's throw and began to pray. Make no mistake, the agony that Jesus experienced did not begin with a Roman whip or a crown of thorns, or a nail driven through his flesh. It began here in this garden they call Gethsemane. It's here that the anguish begins. It's here that the temptation comes. It's really the same temptation that Jesus faced from the beginning of his ministry to the end. It was a temptation of the devil to say, you don't have to go through with this. It's not too late to turn around and walk away. He is the sinless Son of God, after all. He has no debt to pay. He's the creative agent of the universe, the owner of the universe, the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. He's perfect in every way. 
but it is because he is the only sinless human being ever to live that he is the only, only one to save humanity. And he wrestles with his decision to the point of his sweat falling like drops of blood. And he finds the disciples sleeping. And I'm sure he felt alone, but he knew he wasn't. He knows that the Heavenly Father is with him, as he always was. And the eternal plan for our eternal life gives Jesus the confidence to pray, Thy will be done. Not my will, but your will. Because every single temptation that Jesus would face or that we face is about our will. The temptation is always to have it my way. Jesus warned them. Pray that you do not fall into temptation. But for Jesus, knowing that the heavenly Father's will is done gives him the ability to face the false accusations of the chief priests that are coming in a matter of hours. It gives him the ability to stand even in the crack of the Roman whip to carry on even as nails pierce his flesh. Fasten him to a cross. It was Jesus who taught his disciples and taught us to pray, Thy will be done. And now Jesus, Jesus practices what he preaches. And now Jesus calls us to practice what we pray. And we say it. And we'll say it again later today. Thy will be done. It's so easy. It just flows from our lips, oftentimes without even thought, which is the dangerous part. We are called to rise above the temptation to say, my will be done. Because that's really who we are. That's what sin is all about. Sin is all about me. How easy it is to fashion our decisions around our best interests, around our comfort or the fulfillment of our wants or our desires. Thy will be done. It is a prayer that gives us confidence, a confidence to know that God's way is the healthiest, that God works all things together for good, that we are to honor him and not ourselves. And as we pray, thy will be done, as we seek what God would have us do in any and every one of our decisions, whether they are earth-shaking decisions or everyday decisions, as we seek what God would have us do, the world might call us weak or maybe naive or even ineffectual. Because we live in a world that's teaching us to be aggressive, be self-serving. So how do you know God's will? I think it's important for us to be in the Word of God, to understand God's heart, God's way. I think it's important for us to pray as Jesus taught us. To pray that God's will be done to us and through us. 
Because if we fail to pray, thy will be done, we absolutely rob ourselves of life's greatest power, the love and direction of a God who created and redeemed us. Jesus simply prayed for the Father's will in the most anxious moment of his ministry. And praying for the Father's will, seeking the Father's will, embracing the Father's will, carrying out the Father's will, is really what the writer of Hebrews was telling us when he said, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And the joy was our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins promise of everlasting life. I don't want you to misunderstand this evening. Praying to the Heavenly Father, thy will be done, does not mean that that will eliminate the hurts and the pains of this world. It doesn't mean it will take away the tragedies or the disasters. What it means is it will carry us through the pains and the problems and put life into a better perspective for us. And when we pray, thy will be done, when we seek that will, when we embrace that will and live it out, we will find that there is a joy set before us even as we endure the crosses that befall us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.